Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Morning Bible Study with a Day of Prayer. We're so glad that you're here to join us. Who wants to open us up in prayer? I do. All right, Layla, go for it. Lord, I just thank you for today and for your goodness, Lord, and for the things that you're doing with your people, Lord, and your blessings that you have poured out on them, Lord, and that you continue to pour out, Lord. And I just thank you for being who you are, Lord, and for being the I am that I am, Lord, and that we can always come back to you, Lord, and find the answer and the comfort and the things that we need in you, Lord, and that we are lacking nothing and we're made whole and perfect, Lord. And so I just thank you for that today and welcome you into our midst as we go through our Bible study, Lord, and learn about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are going to continue our study of Colossians with chapter 4. Can I get a volunteer to read the first six verses, please? I will. Masters, give your bondservant what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God will open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make and make it manifest as they ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I know the Holy Spirit talks to each and every one of us. So let's begin with you. What's he revealing or speaking to you about this? And if there are questions, please ask. All right, Layla. Promise can go. Okay. Well, go ahead, sir. I found the answer to my question. Well, what was it? Well, let's hear it. Yeah, hear it. My question was in verse... This word says, "Lay speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt." Okay, what was your question? Uh, how come it says that seasoned with salt? And then, what answer did you find? Mike, it should have Mike. There's. Not that your words are literally seasoned with salt, but that it's seasoned with what the Lord said. Uh-huh. So that you know how to answer each other and not just talking. Okay. And what the Lord say, sir? At what place? In reference to what promises talking about or asking about. Are you talking about a Matthew? I think maybe a little bit more. Um. Well, so well, it was more to promise, right? He said, well, about what the Lord said. Well, what did the Lord say, sir? About this, this specific 
topic. Letting your words be seasoned with salt. Mm-hmm. And the salt should not lose its saltiness, right? Yes. Okay. And he also says, have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Salt helps make things sweet. Helps it brings out flavor. It brings out. Is what I mean by make it sweet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't direct. Not like sugar. No, no, not like sugar. Not that kind of sweet. But it brings out flavor. Whatever it's flavored with. Throughout the Gospels, the Lord says, um, but you can also find it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is in good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So in this verse, he's talking about our Christian conduct, if you will. We put on Christ so that we look and reflect him. We look like and reflect him. We're made in his image and his likeness, right? And all of that was designed to push us towards our placement in Christ, how we should speak, think, act, interact with other people, right? We should be walking in love. And so everything we do should be a reflection of him. So if saltiness is compared to um, our Christian behavior, right? Then having our speech seasoned with salt, I'm sorry, let's be with grace first, mm-hmm. then seasoned with salt. What is he talking about? Having words that reflect the Lord and saying what it is that he wants us to say. Jesus said, I, I say what? What my father says. And what my father says and what do his father does. Say that again a little bit more yes, clearly. And speak up, sir. Yes. Sorry. He only did what the father said. Oh, sorry. He only did what the father did. Only said what the father said. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As a pattern and example for us. Mm-hmm. And what else did Jesus say about us specifically in relation to salt? Oh, we're the, we're the salt of the world. Salt of the earth. Exactly. We are to bring out the flavor, the aroma of Christ mm-hmm. in others and in every situation. And if we're saying words that are not what he said, it's only fit for what? It's good for nothing. If your speech is not seasoned with salt, right? Yes. It's yes. good for nothing. We can surmise that, right? And it's... Fit only to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So if you're not speaking by the Holy Spirit, what you're saying is um, an idle word for which we must give account. You understand that? Tracking with me? Because what need does it minister to? That's what we have the Holy Spirit for. Who takes from the Father and discloses it to us. Right? Yes. The Holy Spirit is there to help us minister the needs of whoever, the people, everyone. It's perfect, whatever the Father says and does, which is what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. So that's what we should be saying. Paul also exhorts 
uh, the readers in, in Ephesians 4.29. He says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up the one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. Right? First Peter 3.15 <laughs> also says, But in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. But respond with gentleness and respect. Hmm. Yes, we should give an account and a defense of the gospel. How we do that, how we conduct ourselves in that time matters. It's important. There's significance it helps distinguish us, and by that I mean set us apart. It's an opportunity to reflect, reflect. Excuse me, Christ. So it's significant because that's what people are going to see and remember how we behaved or, again, conducted ourselves. Hmm. And it's interesting that he prefaces the seasoning with salt with grace. That's probably one of the hardest things it is for humans to offer between each other. It can right? be, yeah. Because um, that, that denotes forgiveness, love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Not winks at it. Not acts like it's not there. But quietly, in an unembarrassing way, to the other person, covers and then corrects not making an open display of it or um, telling everybody, you know what they did over there? Can you believe this? I just want to tell you what so, which would be gossiping right now. I just want to tell you what so-and-so did because it's my duty. And you're like, um, no, when you should have kept that between you and yourself, you and that person. Um, but that grace, those words are also accompanying our way into salvation, right? Yes. It's by grace, through through faith by faith grace. Yes. by grace which you access through faith mm-hmm. so if that's how we get into salvation how do we lead others into salvation same way by grace as well not by um, just demonstrated through love mm-hmm. and our, our gentleness not bonking them on the head, not not tearing their arms out and beating them with it. None of those things, but God wants us to offer them grace. Are there times you must be firm? Sure. But feeling it's your duty to blast others and condemn them to hell because you have a problem with them or you feel like they're living outside of the scriptures, is that right? God asks you to offer grace. Your, your speech being covered with grace. All right, what else? Layla, yes, you had, you, go ahead. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this because you got your fingers in like three different places in your Bible. <laughs> so this ought to be good. Well, I very much enjoyed um, verse 2 when Paul says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving giving Mm -hmm. i often find sometimes that when i go and talk to the lord i'm asking 
and demanding versus thanking him for what he's already done. Lord, give me this. I want this. Give me that. And that's not how we're supposed to um, treat him. Because we don't like relationships with other people and all they want is give me, give me, give me. They're never thankful or say, what can I do to help you? So if we don't enjoy that, how much more so with the Lord? And he's done more than any human ever. Mm-hmm. And the vigilance in prayer, it reminded me of First Peter chapter 5, and it's in verse 8. Mm-hmm. Okay. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Mm -hmm. And it continues in verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith, in faith in God, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So he wasn't saying, demand that God do stuff for you, but he, he said, be vigilant in prayer. When you do it, be thankful. Didn't, um, let's see. David, I believe, since he wrote the Psalms. and wrote many of them. Most of them. Not all of them. But, yes, that is very accurate in that. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, sweetheart? Mm, Psalm 100. And you can see... I'll just read verses 1 through 5. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. There you have it. That's what your prayer should look like. Thanksgiving and praise and blessing the name of the Lord, exalting it, lifting it high, magnifying it, and going, look what God has done. I thank you, God, for what you've done. Not, Lord, you're slacking. You better get off your rump and do what I asked you to do two weeks ago. Dangerous words. (laughs) Yes, they are. Do you even have the, the mindset that we should be able to demand such things from the Lord? No, no, it's, I mean, there's a difference. It, it's a whole different attitude, if you will, towards it. It is. It uh, is. Asking and then demanding. Absolutely. Which then, if we're demanding, it also goes to, well, you can see it all the way with woman, later Eve in the garden, right, where she had to snatch something for herself. You see that with the children. And it wasn't to the Lord with the last one. Mm-hmm. It says the Lord gave it. Gave her a child. Hmm. Just as an example. Hmm. It's actually a pretty good one. I didn't think of that. Thank you, Dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else you still... Go ahead, Layla. Finish. Yes, that's, that's all. Okay. Well, Philippians 4, verse 6 is a familiar verse of scripture to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So as we're, there are 
there's the, the side of prayer that you talked about, Layla, which is um, being on the, the fence, if you will, against the enemy, being focused on the Lord so we can hear and um, he can minister to us prophetically or by the Holy Spirit in prayer to let us know um, so we can bind and bind up the plans of the enemy and attempts and attacks and things of that nature. God doesn't leave us surprised about that, but he gives us foreknowledge when we're listening to stop the plans in the spiritual realm before they have chance to manifest fully or at all in the natural realm. So, but then there's also when there's things on your heart, things that you desire, things that you may need that you can come to and request of the Lord. And there's a difference between, um, irreverent demand mm-hmm. of the Lord and boldly declaring what God's word already says. Absolutely. He says, put me in remembrance of my word, not because he's forgotten, but because he wants you to be so confident in his character that you can stand up and ask him with expectation, knowing who he is and how he operates and knowing that his will for you is to be blessed. That's something different than someone saying, God, you owe me because God, he also addresses that. <laughs> Who is he borrowed from that he has not repaid? Okay. Um, and like you said, Layla, he's given more than we could ever even fathom to mankind on whole, but each individual life, the very breath that is in your body, he has been so kind and generous as to give that to you and keep allowing us to live. Not that God wants to stuff us out or anything like that, but just his grace is what causes us to live because we know we have an adversary who's seeking whom he may devour. He's always trying to thwart God by destroying man. And which means that ultimately he wants to kill mankind and get them off the earth because he feels like somehow he'll have rule again. It's not going to work that way. God's already written the end. It's already settled and established. His fate is sealed. But wisdom is not on his side. <laughs> so the wisdom of God is not on his side. And then also when we let God, when we come to him in confidence and extolling his character, which means raising it up, his character, that is God is good and his mercy endures forever. When we worship him in that way, then we qualify for verse 7 of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 4. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you feel like you got to snatch it from God and tear it off of him, peace will not dwell with you because you don't know who God is. You feel like you have to trick him or take from him. You don't understand his character. And so that person is continually like writhing and going, give me God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, versus saying, I know that when I ask according to your will, when I pray according to your will, I know that you hear me. And if you hear me, I know that I have, I'm confident that I have the petitions that I ask for. There you have it. Now the peace of God can come in because I can be confident in how you operate, Heavenly Father, because I've taken the time to know your ways. So then the peace of God comes in and and guards your heart and mind, gives you that confidence and full assurance that he hears you, and if you know that he hears you, you know you have the answer. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. What else, LaCharles, Kyla? If you guys will flip with me to Luke, uh, tw- chapter 22, verses 39 through 45. 
Okay. We'll eat that first. You want me to read it? Is that what you said? No, I was just waiting for everybody to get there. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry, Twenty-two verses thirty-nine through forty-five. Coming out, he went to the mountain of olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, "Pray that you may not enter into temptation." And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose, when he rose up from prayer and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Okay. Then we'll go back to Corinthians. Colossians. Corinthians. Colossians. Colossians? Yes. Okay. And verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the message of Christ, for which I am also in chains. I found it interesting uh, here because you could tell that the Lord had already given Paul revelation. A revelation of what he's going to have to do. And you can see that Paul wants to get out of chains. But he also looks at it about not wanting not wanting his will over what the Lord wants him to do. He's wants whatever the Lord wants. So that's why I brought you to the garden. Like Jesus mm-hmm. already knew that he was got to endure these things. But he still wanted to go through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he still had to wrangle that that sense of self-preservation and saving his life. You know, there's a place for that. God gives us our five senses so that we don't die. We don't accidentally kill ourselves and, you know, like burn up or things like that and, and die prematurely, but they're not meant to govern and rule our lives. Mm-hmm. They're simply a tool to interact with the outside world safely. Mm-hmm. What else do you have to say, Charles? And, it also reminded me when he was talking about the chains. There's, I don't know where he was talking about, but it was saying that he set the captives captive. And it was reminding me that though Paul was in literal chains, he was not bound there by sin, I'd say, like that. Mm-hmm. Meaning that he wasn't there by his own wrongdoings. Mm-hmm. He was placed in there because... People accuse him like what Jesus what happened to Jesus, they accuse him of blasphemy. And i he was very he was acting like the Lord in that case. Okay. So all everything you're saying is really captured in verse four. Where he says that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. So as I read this verse, it's not just about the saying. Right, whether it's in prayer or in how we address each other, it's about our conduct. Or there's the saying, "Actions speak louder than words." Well, my actions should be in line, right, corroborating what my words are. There should be the same. The actions are what is louder, right? 
You have yes. scripture where it says, I will show you my faith by my works, or by my actions, by my deeds, not just talking about it. I'm de- demonstrating this is what it's supposed to look like. Just like you brought up, whether it's with Christ, who is our pattern example, or with Paul, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to be this example, not just talking about it. I want to live it out. And yes, he's in prison. He's surrounded by unbelievers. Yes, he's also being visited by other brothers in the faith. Right? Yes. And yes, he's encouraging them and exhorting them and admonishing them, hey, do these things. It was he tell uh, Timothy and Titus all the time. Right? Live in this manner. Display these things. That which you see and hear in me. Right? You see lived out. Walking in wisdom. Right? It's a demonstration to, yes, both the Christian, but also the unbeliever as well, or not yet a believer, in order to draw them in. Isn't that what's said in Romans 2? Right? If we look at, especially what promise brought up with verse 6, or what we were discussing with verse 6, our speech being seasoned with grace, and right? Uh, I'll just read the first six verses of Romans 2. Romans chapter 2. Therefore you are inexcusable, man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Verse 4 here is key. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with the heart, your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds." So when we talk about being seasoned with grace, walking in wisdom, we should also, right, it comes from being led by the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom, right, and counsel and strength and all those things, right, ministering to each one their needs. It can only be done through the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus had the Holy Spirit being led and being a pattern example. We are able to minister to each one their needs. demonstrating what the Lord has put on the inside of us. That's coming out. That's what's coming, should come out of us. The fragrance of the Lord, the aroma of the Lord, His Holy Spirit that lives and dwells and infills, indwells in you. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the situation, at all times, whether it's when, in this case, or in the example you gave, Charles, of Jesus in the garden, because right, what is what happens right after that part? Yeah, he prays, and the, and the angel of the Lord strengthens Jesus, and he continues to pray all the more earnestly. And then what happens? He's betrayed. And how did he conduct himself? With grace. In the way that honored the Father. That glorified the Lord. 
Even when Judas betrayed him, he asked, he asked him, is this what you're doing? You're betraying me with a kiss? Which goes right to other scripture where he says, these people's lips are, are close, but their heart is far from me. How can you get any closer than a kiss? But yet, clearly Judas's heart was far from him. I guess the Lord addressed it. But how did he conduct himself? And then did, it, did he change how he carried himself, conducted himself? Did he not display the love of God in any stage or aspect of the rest of all the trials that they put him through for the re- remainder of that night before they crucified him? No, they did. He did not, or even on the cross, he was consistent, displaying the grace of God and the love of God. Yes, he is and was and is God, but he also demonstrated that, which is why he is our pattern example, blameless, spotless, as we are to be before him. And Paul is writing to the people here saying, I am doing my utmost, if you will, to exhibit these same characteristics, traits, attributes of our Lord and Savior. Not just talking about it, being about it, demonstrating it at all times so that he can bring people to Christ. Ultimately, that's the Lord's will, right? Reconciling. The Lord's creation, which is us, back to the Father. Right? Yes. Any questions about that? No. No, but I wanted to, um, back to how you were comparing um, the Lord positioning himself, even when it wasn't exactly what he wanted to do specifically. The greater, the bigger picture that Jesus felt was that he wanted to do what God wanted him to do. The details were rough. They were hard, and he had to get himself in line with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and John chapter 19, Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 11, when you're talking about um, Paul being in chains, and Jesus said, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from mm-hmm. above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And he was talking about um, Judas, of course. But he was also saying that you could, no one can kill him, right? No one could take his life. He laid it down. But God asked him, the Father asked him to come through this hard process to fulfill the plan and the work of God. Likewise, for the Apostle Paul, God asked him to go into this captivity, if you will, to go be a prisoner literally a prisoner, for the greater will and plan of God, right? God said, how else are you going to get closer to Caesar to minister to him and to his household? I want you to come this way. You know, of course, we'd like to go triumphantly and become friends and, you know, (laughs) God raises up some other way that's prominent. Take the easier path. Right, that's prominent, that's full of um, outward freedom, et cetera, et cetera, and makes us look good and feel good. But coming in as a prisoner when you've done nothing wrong, you're, you're merely and purely in chains because God put you there, like Joseph. Or And by put you there, you mean allowed it to happen. 
so well, that his name can be proclaimed, so that people can see. Well, yeah, but I, I do mean that he he planned this destiny track. So I, I do Absolutely. mean put in that way, just like. Um, I'm just saying to, to help everyone understand and, and okay, you know, allow the I, I Holy mean, Spirit he planned to minister that destiny to that. track because everything God asks us to do isn't pretty and flowery and it's delightful. Not. It's hard. And actually, that wasn't the first time Paul was put in prison to minister to people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. I'll let you go look it up on your own. I don't remember the exact place off the top of my head. But this wasn't the first time that Paul was put in prison in order to minister to at least one individual. And in the first time, not only did that individual um, was that individual led to Christ, but also his whole family was. Now, I'm not saying God approved of the wicked things that other people were doing. Absolutely not. No, but he's still destined for him to walk this journey that looked that way. Um, and God loves us. He doesn't approve of wickedness. He's not using wickedness to do anything. But he does plan for us to go places, and he knows there's wicked people there. And and at the same time, he's developing our character. Amen. Right at the same time, he's developing developing our perseverance and our ability, our desire, and fortitude in trusting him. So there are times, and like I said, God is not sending us through sickness and disease. He did that. One is not the other. When I say he he takes us through journeys that are uncomfortable and hard places, it means uncomfortable to our flesh, not sickness and disease. Right? Mm-hmm. He he not that's not the same thing. But going, I'm going to take you through. Yes, it's going to go through you being a prisoner, and um, so you can minister the gospel. You're free in me, rest assured. But you're just going to be in this temporary place, so I can reach these people. It's not going to work. The plan doesn't work. We're like, of course. And as you see with Jesus, he's going, Lord, if it be your will, you can have this cup pass for me. Like God, you know all the ways that there are. And he said, but nevertheless, not my will. But your will be done because you have a perfect plan. So yes, I mean, in our natural minds, because we have that those five senses that I was telling you about that are designed to help us survive so that we don't come to harm and perish prematurely on the earth. They they want to live. They don't want to go through pain. Just like when you um, touch something that's hot, the, the heat and the pain makes you go ow, and then it leaves a lasting memory. Don't ever do that again, right? The those that same sentiment comes into play when God says, come on over here. This is going to be challenging, but I want you to finish the race. Your five senses go, well, wait, I could still get to that by, wait, what if you just make me a senator and then I can be his friend and then I can just go over and talk with him in the Senate and it works just as good, Lord, versus me going and being a prisoner. And God said, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I need you there so they can watch your um, your daily behavior. I need you there so they can come and interact with you without um, fear of what other people are going to say. What, whatever it was that God had in his heart and his mind concerning why he asked Paul to take this journey and why he leads us in the courses that he does. But there's always the hope of glory that's on the other side of it. There's always the goodness of God that's being made manifest in it. And you can tell Paul is learning to be patient with this position. He's learning to be patient with the processes. So so um, he's being refined. Mm-hmm. But then also, what sends the greater message about 
the Lord and who He is. Our conduct when things look easy, or our conduct in the midst of trials. Our conduct in the midst of trials. That distinguishes a Christian, a believer, from a non-believer, or it should. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we are being perfected, there should be a, a distinguishable difference in how we carry and conduct ourselves, exhibiting the love and the grace of God. In spite of whatever situations, circumstances, whatever is going on around us. Mm-hmm. By someone who has not yet come in to the love and the grace of God. Mm-hmm. With him, that is the Lord, being our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And when I said, um, you guys remember when Jesus was after he was filled with the Holy Spirit or the, the Holy Spirit ascended on him, after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit ascended on him like a dove, right? Where did he yes. go after that? Into the wilderness to be tempted. And ministry. To be, to be tested, to, to hard mm-hmm. testing. The Holy Spirit led him, led, led him to hard testing. Now, did he, was he hard tested before the Holy Spirit ascended on him like a dove? No. no. Before he was baptized? Absolutely not. We know that God doesn't put us in a place of testing that we're not able to conquer. And not only conquer, but triumph over. Right? So, not eating for 40 days and 40 nights is hard. Mm -hmm. The physical body rebels against such things. And it says Jesus was afterwards weak, physically. Spiritually, no. He was strong. But physically, he was weak. Right? And then even looking at the Lord's Prayer, scroll down through that. It says, lead us not <laughs> into heart testing. Right? Temptation is heart testing, but deliver us from the evil one. Are in this in this earth we are going to be tested, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes. we have to have the ability to choose. If there are no options, there's no choice. There's no true choice, right? We yes. are going to have opportunities and, and to choose Christ or not. And that is the nature of why we're in this physical earth, to choose Christ and to keep choosing him and to continue to make enforce that choice from whatever point we come to Jesus Christ to how we finish the race. So, But also, if we really study out the Lord's Prayer, I know it's kind of a separate topic, but it kind of goes in with this as well. There's also the part where it says, how much more will the Father send the Holy Spirit to help us, to aid us, right? Just like Jesus, or just like with Jesus, the Holy Spirit infilling, indwelling us so that we can carry it out. And then by it, I mean whatever task, whatever the Lord has instructed us to do whatever he wants from us in the race that he set before us. That's right. Paul wasn't designed to go into this ministry without the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus was clear about talking to the disciples. Absolutely. Don't leave here. Until you have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Until you, you link up and sync up with the Holy exactly. Spirit. Don't leave here and try to do anything. Just, just sit down and wait. And him. that applies to us today. And by sit down, I mean stop trying to be busy with activity but put your heart and focus on the Lord and receiving from him. And letting 
Him through His Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Lead us, guide us, disclose the things from the Father to us so that we can minister to the needs, to each, to each one their needs. And then our conduct will reflect that of Christ, right? The same Holy Spirit that dwells in Christ dwells in us and will conform us, help us, guide us into being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And by image, I also mean his nature and character. Any questions? No. All right. Well, I think well, let's pause there for today because there's quite a bit to reflect on. I know what the Holy Spirit minister to, and we will um, continue this, continue Colossians tomorrow. All right? Who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, I promise. Lord, just thank you for showing us your plan so that we don't stumble and strengthening us when we're carrying out your plan. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, we love you all. We are praying for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.